I always say to people that, that, that realistically, uh, if you can get borrowing from your bank, that will be your cheapest option. The business plan, the financial model, is the bit that really swings it for a lender because you know they, they are fine. They're financial institutions. They understand a financial document. The people that sit in these offices and decide whether they're going to lend or not lend, they're risk managers. The more comfy and cosy we can make them feel about lending to the client, the better rate that client is going to get. And it's, it's all about, with a lot of glamping, it's, it's more, a lot of it is about the feel as much as it is about the financial information. Hello and welcome to the Glamper Tech Podcast. Today I'm joined by Ken Riley of GTF Event Equipment Finance. GTF are specialists in providing financing solutions to the glamping industry, allowing prospective site owners the extra help they need to get their glamping dream off the ground. Financing is something Glampertech are placing more of a focus on of late, as it can be a major stumbling block to a lot of people. That's why we're recording a podcast with Ken, as well as running financing webinars and sessions on the Glampertech Academy to help people learn more about this area. We've also got a blog series planned on the topic, so keep an eye on that. This episode is aimed at providing an introduction into what the financing options are for prospective site owners, as well as considerations they need to bear in mind when applying for financing. As ever, I hope you enjoy and find value in today's episode. Hi, Ken. How are you doing? Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Uh, so you're a partner at GTF Event Equipment Finance. Um, you, you arrange financing for people in the leisure industry and, and the glamping industry uh, specifically. Um, just before we get into the types of financing that are available for um, prospective glamping site owners, could you just give us a run through of you and your background and how you came to, to be at GTF? Well, we've been, uh, with myself and uh, my business partner, Neil, uh, we specialise in providing finance for the glamping industry. Uh, in, in reality, we've been providing it before it was even called glamping. Uh, our initial speciality was providing finance for the sort of the marquee hirers. Um, uh, marquee manufacturers then became manufacturers of sort of uh, safari tents. And so then we started financing safari tents for farmers in fields, etc. 20 years ago, before the term glamping was even invented. Uh, obviously, that marketplace has expanded dramatically. Uh, we've financed, you know, we were in the, in the early days financing purely safari tents. Uh, latterly, we hardly su uh, supply any finance for uh, sort of tented structures anymore. Um, they've all moved over to being wooden structures because of the advantages of being able to rent them for 365 days a year. And that's where the edges begin to blur a little bit in that we do glamping equipment for anything from about £10,000 right up to a couple of hundred thousand pounds for, uh, for things like um, a couple of hundred thousand for a, for a, a, a treehouse, for example. Um, and that's, again, glamping has kind of, the whole marketplace has changed dramatically over the last five years in that it used to be quite small sites, six, 12 uh, glamping units, slightly unique, out, out in the wilds, tend to be uh, lifestyle businesses. But the, the whole glamping industry has started to blur a little bit into the general leisure industry. 
So we now find that we're actually being asked to finance things that might be on what we would have called, traditionally called a leisure park site. And that, so, so that's why our, our range has gone now from being £10,000 up to being in excess of 200 and then multiples thereof. So uh, for that, we have sort of, we have alliances with seven different lenders and a few ancillary ones around the edges. And it enables us to, to match the individual requirements of a particular uh, client, whether it be uh, somebody wanting to start a brand new, a new start business, wanting a couple of uh, pods, right the way up to a leisure park who are financing a number of units, you know, 30 units. Um, we're just doing one at the moment for 30 units uh, and, and anywhere in between. So we've, we've got that whole range covered. Okay, and obviously it does sound like there is a there's a big range there. Um, let's say you, someone approaches you. I'd say you know, a fairly typical client of ours may may come to us and say they want to just set up a standard six pod glamping site. Um, your typical client are they generally um, you know do, do they generally want the majority of their project finance or is it a case of just a little bit of help uh, to to, to uh, tip them over? It's horses for courses, really. Um, we we get everything from. Uh, sort of a, a, a new start business, never been involved in the glamping industry, uh, recently bought, purchased some land, getting up to the planning permission stage, wanting to put a couple of pods on the land just as a sort of a, an experiment to see if it's, uh, if, it's, if it's a viable proposition for them, their area, etc. Um, right the way up to sort of existing glamping sites, adding, you know, they've already got six, they want to add another three or four um, to their glamping site, particularly, you know, 21, 22 is going to be a very, very buoyant year with everybody not being able to go abroad. Uh, so we've got a lot of, recently we've had a lot of sites coming along that are expanding their their offer because they know that the, the, the market is going to be there. Um, so it, it, the typical site, new start, is probably four to six units uh, people tend to be going for. But, uh, you know, some new start sites go straight in with, with 12. Yeah. And, and let's get into the, to the meat of it, then, I suppose. Um, what are the main sources of financing that are available for someone who comes along and wants help with their, uh, with their glamping site in, in terms of financing? Well, um, I will say to people that, 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 that you know, realistically, uh, if you can get borrowing from your bank, that will be your cheapest option. And let me just explain that. I mean, we do asset finance predominantly. We do higher purchase and finance lease. But let me just uh, sort of go through the bank bit of it first. The bank will be able to offer you probably the lowest interest rate because they will take a they will take a charge over your land, etc. So they've got plenty of security. Um, they don't particularly get glamping uh, as a general rule. And banks are really quite good for the working capital element of starting a new site, uh, things like groundworks and just general working capital. Where we come in, we tend to do predominantly higher purchase and finance lease and a little bit of uh, commercial loan. And in those instances, uh, let's just take uh, uh, finance lease for an example. That a lender would lend on the actual structures. So they are not taking any charges over land or, or, or any kind of property. Their primary security is the actual asset. 
obviously that will then be backed up with a, a director's guarantee or, or a personal guarantee because obviously they, they want a fallback default position. And that's the same realistically, whether it's higher purchase, finance lease or a loan. So it's a lot less, they have a, they have a lot less security than the bank because they aren't taking a, 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 are taking a charge. Um, which is why I always say go to, go to your bank first, make sure if you, if you can't get it from them because they don't understand, then higher purchase or finance lease is your, uh, is your way forward. Now, if we just talk about the differentials between, people sometimes get a little bit confused of what's the difference between higher purchase and finance lease. It's effectively the way in which the taxation works for them. Um, a finance lease is effectively a higher agreement as far as the as far as HMRC are concerned. So you can fully expense any payments you make um, to the finance company because it's technically a higher. Within a higher purchase agreement, basically that is that asset goes on your own balance sheet, and then you the payments you make to the finance company, part of it is made up with the loan repayment and part of it is the interest. Now you can expense the interest, but you can't ex expense the repayment of the loan. What you do there is you then have a, a, you then claim depreciation or capital allowances against that. But that generally means that it takes quite a long time to depreciate your asset. Whereas with finance lease, if you take it over five years, effectively it's depreciated over five years. Um, now, different people will have a will have a different reason for going higher purchase or lease. Uh, limited companies, fat limited companies tend to go down the lease route. Uh, individuals uh, who are not VAT registered very often go down the HRP uh, purchase route because with higher purchase, you're paying all of the VAT up front. Now, with a lot of these structures, they qualify for 5% VAT. So why would you start, you know, if, you don't, if you're not back registered, you can't claim it back, you wouldn't go for a lease. And, and we try to advise our clients as they go through that, just by asking the simple questions, what sort of, what sort of business are you going to be? That then tells us what sort of finance would best suit them. So, so it sounds like it's important to speak to an expert before jumping straight into a lease or a per, higher purchase. Make sure you yeah. speak to an expert so they so they can tailor it to you. Yeah, we we would give them we would give them general advice. Obviously, we can't we can't give them specific advice about their situation because, and we always recommend they talk to an accountant at that point in time because we don't know their we don't know their other part of their financial situation. We know what wouldn't necessarily be the best solution but we don't know what else is within the background okay so the, the, there isn't it doesn't sound like there's a, a one-size-fits-all approach really because i was going to ask you what would you say is generally the sort of cheapest slash best option for a prospective site owner but really it completely depends on your personal situation yeah uh, right okay what's the cheapest best way of doing it if you can get it from the bank that would be the cheapest yeah, of course yeah most most can't and then that's why you come to a specialist like us. It's, it's about, I say we have seven different lenders, but we, these lenders have preferences for particular types of business. Um, and it's our responsibility to match up the client's requirements with the best lender, the one that's going to give them the, the, the best rate. 
And let, let's just sort of cut to that is how do you get the best rate from a, from a lender? Now, it's fairly simplistic. If you think about it, these people are risk managers. They take a proposal from us for the client. And what they do is they assess how likely the business is going to be, how, how confident they feel that their proposal, that that business is going to be successful. If they're a little bit nervous about it, well, they'll increase the interest rate. So the best way to get a, to get a good rate from a lender is to have a proposal that's presented that that presents them in the best light and I, I, without blowing our own trumpet we, we are that, that's our that's our job we're very good at that we take a proposal from a from a from a client and we help them build that into what we know the lend that particular lender is going to be looking for um and it's all about you know the, the, the major things, if you, if you want to have a successful proposal, there are a number of things you're, you're going to want. Obviously, number one is going to be the person. You know, they will, they will be credit checked. Um, they have to be, for money laundering purposes, they have to be proved that they are who they say they are. That's, a, that's an obvious first one. So the first bit that through a successful lend is the individual. Are they a lendable individual? The second one is the type of equipment. Now, there are lots and lots of uh, different glamping manufacturers. But if you think about it, the lender is lending against that specific type of equipment. And so that's their major form of security. So they like um, equipment that comes from reputable manufacturers because they know that it's good quality equipment. If they did have to come to sell it, they've got a good residual value. Uh, they're less likely to give you a good rate if you're getting your glamping unit from somebody who's never made one before, for instance. That they would see as a, a risk which would put the rate up. Wouldn't mean that they wouldn't finance it, but they might increase the rate. And then the third thing is realistically the plan. Everybody who presents to a lender has to have a plan. Now, when I say business plan to people, People get a bit edgy about this. They start thinking of you know 50, 60 war pages, war and peace. That's not what it's about. It's really quite a simplistic document. It might only be eight or ten pages long, but it bust, basically in that document you're you're communicating to the lender that you've thought about your site. You know the type of people that are coming. You've done some rudimentary research around your area to know. That, you're, that the rates you're going, you're going to be charging are, are realistic, that you haven't got too much competition in the area, all those sorts of, you know, that people actually want to visit the area where you're starting your glamping site. Again, that's pretty rudimentary. It's only a couple of pages of, of, of text. And then they will want to see a financial projection. Now, for new starts, that's obviously quite a difficult thing for them to do. But it breaks down quite nicely if you the, the one that people fall down on most is justifying their sales because everybody can know well this is what the finance costs this is what we think it you know it's 25 pound a night to clean them yeah it's, it's very easy to to calculate those figures the one that that people sometimes fall down on most commonly fall down on is proving what their um occupancy rates are going to be and picking a realistic occupancy rate Lenders are used to seeing these plans and they're used to seeing sort of occupancy rates proposed in the very late 40s to the 
sort of mid to late 50s, if you start putting in a proposal that says you're going to have 80% occupancy throughout the year, a lender's going to, they're not going to discount that plan, but they'll automatically discount back the, uh, the, <clears throat> the occupancy rate to what they believe is a, uh, is a reasonable level. Now, we all know that in actual fact at the moment, occupancy rates are far higher than the, the, than the 50s. But, you know, we're talking about lenders. They are cautious people. Um, so they will always discount that back. So we, all, we always advise, yes, you might be able to do 60, 70 percent occupancy. But tell the lender that you're going to do 55. He'll be happy with that if it proves affordability, which is this is all what it's all it's trying to prove is that. A lender wants to see a plan where you're making lots of money, because if you're making lots of money, then you can afford to pay the finance. Um, and it is realistically as simplistic as that. Mm. Well, one thing that we do in our feasibility studies is we do like a, a conservative a standard and a optimistic estimate for our um, occupancy rates, and then you can track, you know, the ROI based on those. So I think maybe that's a good idea to, to just maybe do a few different projections to see. Um, you know how, how things could pan out. Can I pick you up on that? Um, yeah. you, you say you do the feasibility studies. Mm-hmm. Again, that's a very, very powerful document to a lender. Yeah. Um, you know, we've seen many of your feasibility studies, obviously, <laughs> um, but uh, that is quite a powerful document because that says that's an independent person saying what they believe the occupancy will or should or could be, whereas. If you're inventing your own figure figures, that has less credibility. Yeah. So that's quite a powerful document. Yeah, and out of interest, just going back um, a little bit, you, you said that uh, banks don't tend to get glamping. They don't tend to you know, back, back uh, prospective SART owners. Why do you think banks don't understand it and don't really get involved, whereas the lenders that you're working with do? With do? Well, simply that um, we have specialist lenders who know and uh, like to lend into the into the glamping market space. They understand that market space. Yeah. Uh, in fact, one of our lenders even has a specialist underwriter for uh, for the glamping market. Whereas, when you think about a bank, you're approaching a a bank or a bank manager who's lending on all sorts of projects. Um, they don't necessarily understand glamping um, and they then get a bit nervous about it and so if it's something lending outside of their normal remit they tend to err on the side of no rather than the side of yes mm. um, I mean some you know you will you'll come across some bank managers who've been on the glamping site then you know they've read in the in the newspaper that that glamping has been very successful you know you're, you're likely to be able to um, get a, a bank loan from that particular uh, bank. Also, not to put too fine a point on it, most entrants into the glamping space are by their very nature new projects or, or sort of fairly new projects because the whole glamping industry is, is, relatively, is relatively new. Um, and banks tend to not particularly, you know, they, they, like, uh, they like a business that's been around for a number of years, has got a good track record. Um, before they'll lend. The old adage of uh, the bank will, will uh, only lend you an umbrella if it's not raining. <laughs> <laughs> so on the subject of the actual application, um, 
you ran through what's actually required. What would you say is the actual most important part of that vacation and what, what do people need to focus on in particular? Uh, the, the, the focus is really on the, on, the, uh, on the business plan. That's what really, uh, if you think about it, that's the, that proving who you are, getting a reputable equipment. The business plan, the financial model is the bit that really swings it for a lender because you know, they're, they are fine, they're financial institutions. They understand a financial document and it's all about affordability. Um, you, know, it is, you know, if you've got a plan that doesn't create enough money to really service it and you have a profit out of it as well, no matter how much security you can offer to the bank, you, know, you might have a million pounds of security. Um, there would be no point in doing it because it, it, the, the, the plan says that the debt can't be serviced very easily. Mm. So it's all about having that good financial model. Well, I'm glad you said that because we've literally just started offering business plans. So if anyone's listening and they need one <laughs> doing, just um, just give us a call. Um, yeah. and then... <laughs> I mean, the, the, we see, we very often go back to our clients and help them refine their their financial model because we've got a lot of, you know, it's the first one they've done. We see hundreds a year and we see the ones that get accepted by the banks and the lenders the ones that don't. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's worth running it pretty well. It's worth running it past us because we can very quickly help you refine what needs what needs to change. Yeah. Okay. And the last question, just going into it, um, is if you could give one tip to a prospective glamping site owner who's looking at getting financing for their business, what would that be? What's well, a very good question. <laughs> um, and it's not particularly about finance. The, the tip I would give is that people really need to think about what they're offering for their glamping site, because there's no two ways about it. There are more and more entrants into the glamping market. At some point in time, there will become saturation. And if you think about your own glamping site, you're then going to have to compete against other glamping sites. And so it's what's unique about your site and why people will come to your site in the future. I think that's a, that's a, that's more important as a, as a tip to somebody coming into the glamping market. And if you've got that right, then getting finance for that business will be much easier because you've actually got something unique. You can demonstrate that. To the, to the lender you know when we come back and the lender says well why are you going to have occupancy of 58 percent they, they've already read in the in the plan but actually it's in a, it's in an area of outstanding natural beauty you're catering for a, this particular client base they can understand that so it's all about having a thought out process i think yeah we, we absolutely um uh, we, we always go on about the importance of, of a unique selling point or at least one unique selling point. You can have multiple um, because, yeah, as you say, there will be a point where we reach saturation and then it'll be, you know, it'll be like any other business where you've got to stand out from the competition or otherwise you'll die, really. It's, it sounds, um, sound, you know, sounds dramatic, but but you will. Um, you've, got to, you've, got to, you've got to stand out from the competition, whether that's the local competition or, or wider areas. Um, and that can be done in all sorts of ways. Obviously, for a finance application, you want to be able to show it immediately so you know it might be 
unusual accommodation or, or something like that. But it can also be once you're up and running, it can be your marketing, your branding that can be superior to, to your competition. But yeah, it's it's a it's a common theme. You've got you've got to be able to stand out. Um, otherwise, you are going to struggle as as the market gets saturated later down the line. Uh, and that, you, if you when you demonstrate that to a lender, that automatically starts them off with a with in a, in a confident vein. And, and as I said before, you know, the people that sit in these offices and decide whether they're going to lend or not lend, they're risk managers. Mm. The more comfy and cozy we can make them feel about lending to the client, the better rate that client is going to get. And yeah. it's it's all about. With a lot of glamping, it's it's more a lot of it is about the feel as much as it is about the financial information. Yeah, that's interesting. Actually, going into this, I didn't actually uh, quite understand that really because I thought it was a, it was a bit of a binary thing where um, you either got financing or you didn't, um, and there was a sort of just a, a line in the sand where where, where people change their minds. But it sounds like. Uh, the, as you said there the stronger the stronger the plan is and the stronger the field the the uh, the risk manager as you put it has for the project then then the better deal they'll get so it's, it's a sliding scale it's not just yes or no and, and also it does vary by you get to know when when which when it goes to a particular underwriter you get to know what their particular foible is hmm. so you would you know when you know which underwriter it's going to go in front of you would you try and uh, uh, cater to their little individual uh, idiosyncrasies, shall we say? Yeah, yeah, very good. Okay, well, thank you for for giving up your time, Ken. Really appreciate it. Uh, if anyone wants to get in touch with you and ask about financing and glamping, um, how can they do that? Right. Okay. Uh, well, they can just basically call me on my mobile, which is probably the easiest one, which is 07792-247248 or they send me an email at ken at gtf hyphen eef co.uk but i can't stress to people you know um pick up the phone give me a call even before you get to the to the to the nitty-gritty because very often just a, a five-minute conversation can help people be guided in the right direction before they you know they make a mistake you know they come back to me and go oh, i'm thinking about doing the financing this way actually can i tell you that won't work with so they've, they've invested a lot of time and and, and energy into something that wouldn't work from a you know financial yeah. side of them. Okay, so we'll put your contact details in the description as well. Um, and keep an eye out for you. People need to keep an eye out for you, Ken, because I believe you're coming on our academy, aren't you, and doing I am, presentations? I am. Well, yeah, well, so, that's, that, that, that's what they tell me. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't got a date yet, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm registered for it. Okay, well, so yeah, if anyone's interested in joining the academy, the, the, the details are on the website. And again, we'll put a link in the description, but we'll, we'll do some uh, sessions on finance and stuff like that. So you can hear from Ken there. But um, okay, yeah, well, thank you for coming on, Ken. I really appreciate it. And, oh, uh, thank yeah. you for inviting me. See you soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Glamour Tech Podcast. I hope you enjoyed and that you found value in today's episode. If you did, feel free to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts as it really helps us move up the podcast rankings. Thank you.